You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. Welcome to the Locked On Hornets podcast. I'm Walker Mail alongside Nada Edwards and Doug Branson, as well as Steve Bob for the first time in with us since I've been a part of the show. Yeah, Welcome, baby. Steve. Thank you very much. Uh, we're both freezing our asses off right now. True, true. It, it's yeah. unbelievably cold in here. Doug is at home, so he's going to be phoning in from the comfort of his own Hornets closet. Nada is on the outside being very comfortable, also running the board, playing the ones and twos, while Steve, at, I appreciate Steve coming on today, but you came on probably at the coldest that the studio has ever been. Yeah, but these takes are going to be hot. They're going to be hot. Let's warm yourself up. I thought you guys could use a, an extra guy who doesn't really contribute too much, so just call me Frank Kaminsky. What? Oh, already. Wow. Yeah, spit some flames. Let's warm us up here. I appreciate it. Just go ahead and spew fire for us. You can find myself on Twitter at Walker Mail, Nada at Nada the Scribe, Doug at Doug Branson LOH, and you can't find Steve because Steve no longer has Twitter as of literally 15 minutes ago. Well, no, I, th- I believe my account's still active. I just took it off my phone. So you just don't check it anymore? I mean, why? As of 10 minutes ago, I've tried to check about 15 times in that in that span. But yeah, so every I'm time I'm confused. I was, like, if you don't, I mean, you just don't want to have, do you want to engage in Twitter anymore? You just deleted the app, but you're still going to have the account exist? I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I I was like, let me do a week without it. And I, I'm going to see if I can last through the day. <laughs> but it just, yeah, I just get furious every time I go on this. It's day. so bad. Twitter is so bad. Yeah. Like, I... The thing about being in this business, and I we've talked about it all the time at ESPN, and how you have to try to market yourself, and I'm awful at contributing. I'll scroll all day just for some of the NBA and just all sports content. Right. And if you contribute anything to it, people just destroy you. Like Twitter delete is the this, worst. Delete your account. Twitter is the Kill worst. Kill yourself. I hate Twitter. Twitter yeah. is I, I love Twitter and I hate Twitter at the same time. There is no in between for that thing. It's unbelievable. But Not, if you want to follow us, we have our handles. Yeah, follow exactly. Locked On Hornets. But yeah, no, totally. It's a great thing. <laughs> follow us. Follow all of our handles. Uh, well, let's get to some Twitter comments. My God, we just dogged the social media platform. But then we're going to well, go to it for some I content. will say real quick, though, but I, the other day when like when the Hornets game actually was on or, or the NBA started back up, I was like, oh, hell yeah, Like Twitter's awesome again. But it's the off time where you realize right. – like I, I don't need to know anything else about the it's, Supreme it, Court justice it, it, system or whatever. It's, it's outside <laughs> of that window of the Hornets games where maybe some people come together, maybe some people don't. But we do have some listener comments and questions that we wanted to get to yesterday, but we'll get to here today. So Michael on Twitter writes to us, Ever realize MKG is younger than Frank, and Frank is only six months younger than Cody Zeller? Not sure what to do with this info. No, I, I hear you, Michael. I, I don't know how much there is to do with it. We talked about this a little bit yesterday. Frank's stayed all four years at Wisconsin while MKG left right after his freshman year already as a young dude. So crazy to think MKG is so young after his six full seasons. MKG turned 25. What was it? Just nine, just a week ago. Happy B-Day, MKG. Yeah. Happy B-Day to MKG. Just a week ago, he turned 25 years old. Frank turned 25 in April. Well, we often talk about the ceiling of players coming out of the draft. So when you have Frank, and we talked about this yesterday, right? When you have Frank coming out as a four-year player at Wisconsin, a lot of people just feel like the ceiling is either reached or close to being reached when you have these older players. And it's so wild when you have these younger guys coming out of the draft that you just you can tap into so much potential. There's so much room to grow. And I think where we're at the point with MKG and Frank, I just I believe we've seen the ceiling of MKG, and I think we've seen the ceiling of Frank. You know, Frank is 
maybe a little bit more interesting because you could possibly use the Jeremy Lamb example of a guy not fully breaking out until his fourth year. But especially the way things are heading, that might be a hard case to make for the yeah, fact he, that Frank Kaminsky has one more year to hit his ceiling. And I, I've always I've liked MKG. Like I, I get offensively. Like offensively, it's just, you know, there's no stretching the floor with him. He's always been a good slasher. He always finishes at the rim. Like, I, I like MKG okay for what he is, but I always go back to the Kevin Artovitz comment when talking with him that he knows a lot of GMs that would not even let him through the door because of his inability to shoot. It's just where the NBA is right now. Yeah, unfortunately, with MKG, he is offensively limited. Unfortunately, he's also the team's best defender. And that's where we that that's that dichotomy where you're going to have to figure that out where he's good at one thing and one thing only. But that's one more thing than maybe Frank. Yeah, I've talked about this before, but I really don't really care about player ages because because players are coming out so early and then you have the rare occasion where they do stay four years Age really doesn't matter. It's all about NBA experience and NBA mileage. I mean, certainly it probably matters more, you know, when they do get up close to retirement age and, and you know, the mileage stacks up. But the NBA game is so different from the college game that I also don't buy that a four-year, you know, senior is someone who has an absolute ceiling. I mean, we saw Malcolm Brogdon win Rookie of the Year in, in 2017, and he stayed in college for a long time and came out and, and showed a lot of things that people weren't expecting. And it's because like NBA-level defense just doesn't get played in college, so we don't know what kind of we, – we can make guesses at what kind of defenders players are going to be, but it is such a big adjustment. Some players make it, and some players don't. Yeah, and I think MKG, I mean, he's been a great defender, I think, in his entire time with Charlotte. And again, you know, the, the Kevin Artevin's comment, I think, is a little harsh from GMs. You know, I mean, I, I MKG deserves to be in the NBA. I, yeah. there's any, I don't think there's any question about it. I even like the the act of MKG even being in some starting lineups because, you know, the, the theory is, right, you put your best defensive player on the best score for the opposing team, your best wing score, and that's what MKG does. To me, you know, when, when you put MKG on the bench, which is, where it looks like he's going to be you know if you put him on the bench and he's guarding the sixth best player or the first best player in a second unit or whatever if whatever the best mm-hmm. score is on the wing you know is that really utilizing his talents the best way and I don't think MKG is somebody that just destroys the offense for a team like we've seen teams be successful with MKG at least be there and not just destroy the offense right so I actually liked MKG okay first time but I mean it's you know it's not second overall pick he is what he is he's yeah right I mean you you have to accept him for what he is yeah the really disappointing thing to me about him is that the whole thing about him when he was coming out they're like look you can teach shooting all right, that's the thing you can teach, and it's like everyone would always say that. People still say, it, you well, know, we've about seen it with Kimba, right? But it's like with him, it just never happened. They're like, if there's anybody that's going to work harder than everybody else and get in the gym and stay in there and do it, it's going to be him. And you know, it just never happened. Yeah, and I don't think anyone questions Michael Kidd Gilchrist's work ethic. I mean, he he's somebody that's constantly in the gym trying to improve his game. Sometimes. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But I wanted to go quickly back to something that Walker was talking about in terms of MKG's role this season. I think it's going to be really interesting how they utilize him because I can remember several games last season where teams like Cleveland and Houston were able to put their best player on the floor and surround them with four bench players at a time when the Hornets went to a full bench lineup. 
and and those teams destroyed the Hornets in those in those uh, minutes. So it'll be interesting to see if they can use MKG as as an as a Swiss Army defender in those type of situations and how effective that is in terms of you know managing those second and third quarter. Yeah, runs. just putting them on the best perimeter score out there when, right. whenever you can possibly do it or just whatever right. kind of role he has i like the idea of having him out there with tony parker too as well because he's a little bit more of a like he's familiar with that type of player you know he he, he had all those years with bruce bowen who obviously could hit the corner three and stuff but um i think that might be a good look for him like you're saying to have him in that second unit um just so we're not defensively getting destroyed there yeah so so ultimately the age thing i don't know if there's a whole lot worth noting it's just kind of funny kind of weird and it's always weird i, th- I think mkg and i i don't know how old bismack is i, I forget how old bismack Bismack's is like 27 or 28 well, so if allegedly that's, if, yeah right that's one of those uh, if, if that's if that's the case then mkg was like really one of the first guys that was drafted in the nba that i was older than and that, that's how I always remember it. Just weird. MKG, just you kind of get a little bit weirded out when you're talking about these guys who you've looked up to, and then you start to, you know, you're in college, and then you have somebody that's your age playing in the NBA. MKG, always going to be that guy to me. LeBron is mine. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, we're the same age as LeBron. <laughs> well, that's that's way weirder. And your guys' hairlines look a lot better than LeBron James, Ooh. so at least you got that going for you. No, your, your hairline looks a lot better than LeBron James. Uh, we're going to be heading the same way pretty soon. I'm going to be in that barbershop with him. <laughs> yeah, well, if you do, yeah, that might that might help you out. Yeah, great show, by the way. LeBron James barbershop stuff, the shop talk. Yeah, when's there? A, uh, there's only been one episode. I think so. I think it was um, Is I, it just a one off. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's going to be. There's a second one coming, but it's going to be good. And another Twitter question that was asked to us by Panthers Mafia, our boy Pre Malone writes on Twitter: the only Charlotte player I can think of who dunked like Miles Bridges was Corey Maggette. We asked this question earlier in the week. So this comment spun us into a whirl off air where we found ourselves at the 2001 dunk contest <laughs> where Corey Maggette and Baron Davis both competed. So if you look at that 01 dunk contest, I remember watching this live, but obviously who goes back to that particular one with so many other ones that probably catch your attention more. It was an interesting dunk contest all around. Like you had Maggette, he does this weird dunk where he runs from half court, stops at the three-point line, he does a standing front flip, he lands, he runs up to the goal after completing the front flip, and then catches a simple alley-oop and slams it two hands home, nothing crazy about the oop. So weird, and he actually got some good grades for it. That was, it was Corey McGinnis. It was the worst dunk I've ever seen in any dunk contest because the 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 actual dunk was terrible. Like the worst dunk- made dunk you've ever seen in a dunk contest. Okay, yeah, we'll we'll put that caveat. Because Baron on. Davis Maybe. hasn't beaten this dunk contest alone, as oh, far well, as his actually, you attempts. know what? I'm going to take that caveat back, Walker. I think it's the worst dunk ever, even the missed <laughs> dunks, because the people that are missing dunks are actually trying to put on a cool dunk. <laughs> Maggette just did a fr- like an acrobatic front flip. It was fine, uh, but, but that it was, was at not least part of the dunk. I can give him some credit for maybe being a little disoriented after the flip, being a little bit dizzy. Maybe we're not appreciating his dizzy factor as far as we're not appreciating the front flip honestly i mean a standing sure, front yeah. flip that's tough i can't do that yeah it's a, it, it, what you described sounds because i don't remember it but it sounds a lot like <laughs> something that's on like you know america like you give talents. that a 10 just yeah. hearing on it you they come out and they're like what are you gonna do and he's like i don't really know what you call this but 
Is this something? And <laughs> Wait Doug a minute. Is no, right he's not dizzy from a front flip. Now, if he had done like a dizzy bat thing and twirled around 10 to 20 times on a plastic bat and then dunked, okay, that suddenly that's impressive. Oh, I'm sorry. Wait, wait, you wait, know wait, how wait. dizzy you are after a front flip? Yeah, Doug? Doug's cutting you know front how... flips all day long out here. <laughs> I mean, it's ba- yeah, it's one of my skills. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> just, yeah, I, I wake up and I do a couple front flips just to get my morning started every day. And then I go out and I'm, a, I'm not too dizzy. So that's how I'm going to judge. It would have been like as impressive if he just like chugged a beer like stone cold style i want all of that i want all of that i want the chugged <laughs> beer i want the playing the dizzy bat and then going to dunk it and we're, we're everybody's complaining about the dunk contest being the same thing over and over again i haven't seen anybody do that i haven't seen anybody drink a beer and do dizzy bat and then go slam it home i've always just thought introduce a defender introduce like bring in a sean bradley bring chris dudley in there since he <laughs> wants to be in the news all of a sudden and just let him get yammed on. I'd be I'd be That'd fine be awesome. with all of those. So other things, not just the Corey Maggette dunk that was weird, but you also have Baron, and I believe everybody probably remembers this one. Baron actually had some good dunks. It was a it was a fun dunk contest from him. He had some good ones. He was so good at dunking. But Baron will always be, at least to me, remembered for his blind man's bluff dunk, where he pulls his headband over his eyes. He then tries this half windmill attempt and misses the goal completely a good two, three feet in front of the goal. And I would put that as one of the best, worst attempts of all time. That's amazing. No, it's it's up there. It's absolutely up there. The funny thing is, it's so bad I don't remember it, basically because Nate Robinson and his 50 million times that he's missed in those dunk contests. Well, then it ended up winning because we have to eradicate all the attempts, right? I mean, yeah, exactly. That's where his Superman dunk where he wore a green jersey and got a green ball. Ugh. He ended up winning with that, and everybody was angry. Dumb. Just like that disgusting voice you just did right there. Yeah, Everybody was mad. Well, I've, I, it stands out like the Dwight thing too, where it's like, oh man, he's got a cape on. Right. It's like that's just that's dumb. <laughs> I don't care. So you had the Baron Davis dunk. Well, as well. Hold on, okay. Wait. hold on. Hot take. It was a successful dunk. Except for the whole part where he didn't dunk it, though. Like, how? Okay, how, but, how's what, that but hold on, hold on. Would a blind man have successfully dunked see, that? See, that's think what so. that's what yes. I was gonna say. Underrated part of it is if he makes the dunk, you're gonna be like, ah, he could see the whole time. And right. if he just straight up that's, doesn't even come close to the goal, well, and bef- I want to see this. By the way, I, I don't remember. This. And before this, David Wesley actually tries to line him up. So I don't know if he counted his steps earlier, but David Sounds Wesley. Like David Wesley's is, fault. Yeah. Well, if it's what it might be Wesley's fault, but it looked dumb nonetheless for Baron David to just slam it nowhere like it was it was almost i think it was even before he gets to the restricted area he just slams it basically uh, yeah. on nothing. i'd love it if he's just like wandering around the three-point line trying to windmill yeah. and what it was it basically it looked like a guy that was blind so i guess he did play the part perfectly to me it's one of the best worst attempts of all time and another funny thing is the the, the cherry on top where are we playing audio are we just, just randomly playing audio right podcast. now i'm watching this dunk can you guys hear <laughs> what's coming just, out oh, here we go computer? we're just gonna randomly all right oh there you go doug contributing from his closet so right. tiny archibald gave him a nine david thompson charlotte legend nine so this was dunk one so danny Ainge. wait why is danny Ainge dunk giving dunk contest grades uh, danny yeah danny Ainge probably yeah, doesn't know weird. a whole lot about dunking so all of these guys gave him at least nines or eight oh, on the first go. dunk and now you have baron davis pulling the headband over so david wesley he is, looks like jordy laforge he did yeah, true <laughs> yeah so david wesley and the sick jerseys by the way yeah so i and you have to so like baron davis tries to go one way and then david stops him from Wait, going there's one a way. hole in that headband it seems like he's hamming it up a little bit now he started Maybe. walking towards the wrong goal but okay, then if he if he hams it up though 
then I don't think he he does the dunk like that. Uh, I like, see now Wesley's talking to me. He's like, nah, dog, you, come on. You got to go towards the goal. <laughs> you got to do this. So <laughs> he gets him like to the right of the goal. Baron trying to pump up the crowd, smiling. I, I don't. Yeah, I, he's making a. There's a got, hole yeah, in yeah, yeah. that headband. He's oh, clearly he putting his finger kind of through. Hole. Oh, there's a cameo from Al Harrington. Yeah, shout out, shout out to St. Patrick and. <laughs> <laughs> that that dunk is not one of the best attempts. That like that is not a successful. Hey, if the dunk. goal had been there, right. if the goal yes. had been there, I think he faked that whole thing. I think the and it, it looks fake. Well, it lives it's conspiracy theory. It, I, it's fake. It it yeah, it lives in infamy. If it's not the other cherry on top of this, and Doug, I don't I don't know if you can go back all the way to the beginning of that there's a different video but i was looking at this 2001 dunk contest as well and the cherry on top is that tim donahy was the uh, ref quote unquote officiating the entire dunk contest so donahy if you don't know he was did the he ref. have money on this yeah I, I don't know maybe he did he was the ref if you don't know who pleaded guilty to betting on games in which he officiated between 2005 and 2007. So Tim Donahue just being there, the guy that is basically handing the basketball off to the guys that are going to go dunk it and really don't do anything. This thing goes all the way to the top. Tim Donahue, it was rigged. It was rigged the whole time. Desmond Mason, by the way, ended up winning. One of the more fun dunkers of all time. Kind of underrated guy. Very underrated guy. Wasn't he a former Hornet at one point? Uh, No. Maybe. I'm going to say no off the top of my head. I don't know. We can look it up. What was was Desmond Mason's cut? That's what we got to find yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 2001 dunk contest. Underrated shenanigans. Real quickly before uh, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll answer the other one that we have coming in from Twitter. Uh, but first, if you want to support our show and the amazing people that put it together, consider joining our Patreon community for as little as $1 a month. You can help us keep making the Daily Hornets content that you've come to trust. Go to patreon.com slash LOH. There's a link in the description of this episode. Get entered into our contest for free bobbleheads and tickets and get access to content content before anyone else patreon.com slash loh every dollar goes to making this the best hornets talk in all of charlotte we'll be back after the break walker mail nada edwards doug branson steve bob will be back in just one second this is locked on hornets so wait a minute do we value players that forget plays all of a sudden i thought we were (laughs) we loved lebron james because he remembered he could cite to you every single play from every game he's ever played in now all of a sudden we like players who have no idea what happened on the previous play i don't think you want him to play scared right it's time for more of the locked on hornets podcast Hornets' next preseason game is Monday, October 8th at home against the Bulls. So the Hornets back at practice this week, and the focus seems to be on defense. The Hornets gave up a lot of points in the paint in the first half against Miami. A lot of that drives by the guard. So Borrego on Thursday trying to clear up some misconceptions about his defense and what they need to improve on. Here's Borrego on more of the switching that could go on from that. You know, people look at our roster and it's like, we need a big guy to protect, to protect the paint. You need bodies in front of bodies to, pr- to protect the paint. It's not one guy going to, prote- to protect the paint. So our goal right now is a five-man defense, stay in front of the ball, get bodies in front of bodies, and that starts in transition. And then in the half court, you know, our switching coverages, uh, our big man coverages have got to get better. So you have James Borrego discussing this, you know, just it looks like there is going to be a lot more switching up front going on. And Doug, I know we've talked about this. It required the the focus and energy and the effort to and the effort to execute, you know, Kimba, Lamb, Batum, Monk and Bridges, 
those are just some guys that are going to have to improve off of that. Yeah, absolutely. I, listen, five guys on defense, that's what you want. You want all five guys yeah. playing That's going to give you a, a, a slight advantage. You can't play give you the best advantage to win. I know, but Borrego's right. You know, they are going to be switching more. It's going to require a lot uh, from everyone defensively, but they have to have Kimba, Batum, Lamb, all of these guards holding down their assignments and, and making sure they're communicating, talking. You know, Borrego said he's a black and white guy, no gray area. You have to communicate, communicate clearly, and then take action. That's going to be the challenge for this defense. I mean, the big thing I worry about is how many of these guys are really going to be able to stay in front of their man. I mean, well, we know yeah. <laughs> Bridges has his issues right now. We know Frank has his issues. Billy Hernan Gomez has his issues. Like we can go up and down the line of these guys that have issues, and I'm wondering how sustainable a switching defense is with these guys being poor man defenders right now at and, this point. And so you you look at maybe some potential lineups they could throw out there, and and maybe you know it highlights the role that MKG can play as we were discussing what his role could be earlier on in the show. You know maybe it could highlight what his role could be in certain situations where you have a player on the opposing team who is working to get the ball in their hands. So maybe that's something that MKG is able to help out on. And you're talking about maybe the switchability. Like, I wonder where Miles Bridges fits in all of this as well. It is somebody that struggled mightily in summer league. Bottom line for Miles Bridges is, I, I didn't love his game coming out of college. We, we know how low I was on him. You know, mm -hmm. in summer league, it only kind of backed that up, at least in the first couple of games. But the bottom line is the guy has really improved on a lot of different things that we've seen here in preseason. His shot looks a lot better right now. I think defensively there are still some lapses there. But again, I don't think there's anything that, that was crazy as bad as what you saw in summer league. There's just a lot of different things. He seems like he belongs there a little bit more, making better decisions, making quicker decisions. And I wonder, how much that translates on the defensive end because he's improved so much. It's crazy to think that he improved just in those couple of months in that significant type of way. The problem is with a guy like Miles Bridges is that you cannot keep him off the floor. He's too dynamite offensively. You're going to be willing to deal with some of the issues that you ha he may present on defense because he'll probably get it back for you in some way on the offensive end. More importantly, he's a really, really good off-ball defender. So again, those chase down blocks, those off ball off ball blocks, those are going to be handy in some form of way when the defense does break down. Here's the thing to understand: this team is capable of being a good defensive team, but just like in years past, it's going to require such energy and commitment from every single player at all times that you're just going to see it wax and wane. I mean, sometimes they're going to have good defensive outputs. And sometimes they won't. And it may change game to game. We saw it in Miami. First half, defense was terrible. Second half, it was better. And and the team was able to play better. You're, you're probably going to see that all year. And so just some lineups. Like, you know, what's funny. I I like the lineup of, I, one, I think Cody is a good defender. I just, like, when Cody's healthy, I really like Cody Zeller as a basketball player yeah. for this team. It, it's all about his health. But I, I think he is a good player for this team. And so defensively, I think Cody Zeller really helps you at the five, more so certainly than what Billy can give you. And even Dwight, as Steve Clifford took that shot on the Woj pod earlier this summer, <laughs> 
you know, he said that the uh, centers need to trans or need to transition their game more to be able to defend on the perimeter rather than just expanding their offensive game on the perimeter. I think Cody can stay in front of guys a little bit better than what a significant amount better than what the other guys can. So yeah. you're talking about Cody. You know how much I love Marvin. I think Marvin can help. Yes, he's getting older. Obviously, he's probably going to have his minutes weighing down. But those are two guys that I really trust defensively. And if if Jeremy Lamb can tap into his length, you know, I, I don't know how it's the quick, defensive lapses. It, like it's the lapses in judgment or like those moments that he just like loses focus right and then it's done yeah he's just he's just getting he's just getting driven by like that's what happened in miami a lot of those drives that resulted in points in the paint in the first half were jeremy lamb and that's frustrating because the length shouldn't be able to make it that easy Right, I mean, because because Jeremy Lamb's arms are crazy. I mean, it feels like it. I mean, I guess I haven't seen his wingspan, but they look crazy long. And you would imagine that the length helps him out there. So I agree with you, Doug. It, it seems like there are some good defensive line lineups that you could implement, and you just hope that they're able to come to fruition at least with the potential that you can see. So hopefully it happens. We're coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need help, visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do, and that's make more sales. We're going to take another quick break. We got some news coming on or coming around in the uh, rest of the NBA. Kyrie says he might want to go back to the Celtics if the Celtics fans will have him. I'm sure they will. We'll talk about it more on the other side of the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. Did we like the Marco Bellinelli experiment here no. in Charlotte? Or are we glad that he's kind of gone? I, I, I'm one of those that's kind of glad he's I, gone. I, one of the, one of the only players that has blocked Locked on Hornets on Twitter. Did he block us? <laughs> yeah. He blocked us. Did we come at him for something? Or? So I may have said, and I didn't at him or anything like that, but I may have said that his defense on LeBron James at one point resembled that of a potted plant. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Tremendous voiceover work, by the way. Always been a fan of it on the Locked on Hornets podcast. Yeah, uh, it's probably not like the guys are sitting in here right now, right? <laughs> no, it, it, man, that's wild. That, that gave me some feels, guys. <laughs> I, I didn't realize I was still with you the whole time. And you've been here in our hearts with us the entire time. And now you're here with us as a three-man booth because Doug, Ooh. he has to go, I think, get a package now. He like, just doesn't. He just doesn't want it. He doesn't. He doesn't, he doesn't want the pod game. Respect the game. Yeah, man. respect the game first. Respect the Locked On Hornets podcast. So I don't know what kind of package he's getting. Maybe we can ask him when he comes back. Hopefully soon. Here, the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered on all the biggest stories in every single NBA city. So let's go to the Boston Celtics and John Corrales with the Locked On Celtics podcast, where Kyrie Irving says he's ready to commit to Beantown. Here's Corrales with the analysis. John Corrales here from the Locked On Celtics podcast, where Kyrie. Irving says he plans to re-sign with the Boston Celtics, telling a crowd at the TD Garden at a season ticket holder's preseason event that he intends to re-sign with the Boston Celtics. That would be a five-year deal worth about $188 million. So it's a lot of money, and he has said throughout the entire preseason, beyond the finances, that there's nothing here in Boston that he wouldn't want to be a part of. He loves the the teammates. He loves the direction. He loves even the new practice facility. They opened up a big, massive 
modern practice facility. So everything from top to bottom has appealed to Kyrie Irving. And after he made the announcement, you started to see reports from Sham Sarania, from others, that he has already been speaking to the Celtics owners and has expressed his intent to stay long-term. Now that seems to squash a lot of the rumors about him wanting to play with Jimmy Butler, wherever Jimmy Butler ends up, with him maybe wanting to play with Kevin Durant, wherever Kevin Durant ends up. And that often seems to be the Knicks, but there are other teams that were on his Cleveland trade list and people pointed to the fact that Boston was not on that list, but he ended up getting traded there. He likes it, and he has been saying throughout this preseason since camp opened that he loves Boston, he wants to be here, and he said explicitly to the crowd he plans on re-signing. So that's it. He's going to take the money. He's going to take the security. He's going to be part of what should be a very good team from now on, and that's going to force some teams that had been targeting Kyrie Irving to make other plans. That's it. Listen to the Lockdown Celtics podcast for more Kyrie Irving reaction. Here's my thing about Kyrie Irving trying to figure out where he wants to go. Why in the hell would you leave Boston? You've got a pretty damn good setup right there already with the Celtics, with the young talent that you have. By the way, they have another pick coming in, another big one. They own the Kings pick. So there's just another guy with young talent that's going to come into this team. Already, Gordon Hayward being there. Brad Stevens, I, you're the top dog really on that team right now. I, I don't know why you would want to leave. Yeah, Cleveland asked that same question. And Well, well the top dog thing is important, yeah, I think. I agree. No, and, and it seemed like... It is his team now. I think they would... For agree. now it is. For now, but I mean, you know, he's the incumbent. So even if Tatum takes over, I don't think Gordon Hayward's that type of guy. Um, so yeah, I mean, anybody... Al Horford's not, you know, he's not going to be like, everybody step back, this right. is my team. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it makes sense to me and, uh, it's, it's a little strange just the timing of it and everything, but I think we've seen with all these guys now that, you know, Kemba shut that down earlier too, because they know it's going to be, they're going to be asked about it all season and maybe that's his angle. Well, and, and think that was the one thing you worried about that John Corrales mentioned right there was the Jimmy Butler rumors. Was mm-hmm. there a legitimate possibility those two would team up? And is there still a legitimate possibility that those guys could team up? as they both enter free agency after this season, are the New York Knicks a possibility for both of them to go to New York? Is the Clippers something where that might interest Kyrie Irving and Jimmy Butler to both go there and play together? Uh, but I, I would imagine that Kyrie, he's, he stays in Boston with Gordon. I think the top dog is a big thing. Like you mentioned, you know, that's what Cleveland thought. I just I just think you're in a, a very different situation than you were with You Gavlin. are kind of in a different situation, but the one thing that you do have to worry about especially with Danny Ainge's. Danny Ainge is not necessarily going to give him the max. I don't think so. Not with as many knee surgeries, not as not with as much mileage that is on Kyrie Irving's body at this point. And that's got to be a concern because if he's not going to get the max, then what does he do? Is he going to take less than the max? See, I, I'm not so sure. That's interesting because maybe that's his move. Maybe he's thinking about that already. He's like, you you go public and at a fan event and get all of them on it. Now, that kind of pushes Ainge into that corner where it's like, well, the fans are like, look, this guy wants to be here. Give him the money. Well, and we've discussed that with Kimba, right? Like mm-hmm. Kimba has now put this on the Hornets. If 
if yeah. you guys are willing to give me the money, I, I want to stay here. And even though we've talked about this even yesterday about how we could get more money elsewhere, you know, he's putting the onus on the Charlotte Hornets, Hornets for them to make this move. And so it's a I, savvy I'm, business and PR move on, on the player's part. I mean, you know, you can say what you want about the business of it, but um, yeah, it's like, that's going to create pressure from the fan base. Yeah, and I would imagine they'd welcome him back. That's what he said, right? He said, "If you'll yeah. have me, if you'll have me," I'll which stay. is the biggest, which is the biggest key sentence part of that sentence. The that other is thing weird is, to me. It's a little weird. He's speaking yeah. of Danny Ainge, maybe not exactly. But and I, I would imagine. Look, the, the the Boston Celtics they struggled offensively with Kyrie off the court. Like they were able to find some ways, but Kyrie Irving being an, an offensive god at point guard, they're right? so I mean, loaded. Yeah, you too. would think so, but the other thing is you have to think that Kemba Walker is now Plan A, Plan B, Plan C at at the uh, point guard for the Knicks, right? Yeah, there's a lot of point guards out there that um, you know, I know um, that are, you know, it's a point guard-dominated league, right? I mean, Kyrie Irving, I would imagine he's one of the better ones, certainly offensively, and a lot of people were at least raving about his defense there in Boston, how Brad Stevens had tapped into something there with Kyrie Irving on the other end of the floor, and that was the biggest knock against him his entire yeah, career Yeah, but so the, thing, the other thing is the stats didn't really bear that out. Yeah, and it's weird, guy. you know, and you look at that kind of stuff, like it just, you wonder, like the meat, the narratives that get thrown out there yeah. a lot, like it's, you know, it's it's kind of funny to see, but at least, you know, if, if they believe it, then <laughs> if that's something that the Celtics yeah, exactly. believe. Exactly, belief is half the, half the battle, right? Yeah, whatever, so uh, we'll see. But again, Kyrie Irving, I would imagine, stays with the Celtics, and if I'm him, I can imagine that you would want to leave. So that'll do it, Steve. Thanks for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me, Pre- guys. Appreciate if, your analysis. If you guys will have me, I will thank you for it. Yes, well, I will. Yes, yeah, we thank you for your presence, and yeah, hopefully you can join us here uh, a few more times uh, during the course of the regular season. Thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Locked On Hornets. We'll be back with you on Monday. <laughs>